it's it's probably perhaps overspending at times on you know probably for me clothes and shoes and things like that but um I, I think I could have saved more I could have put more away Hey, I'm Emily Bellet, founder of BestPod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich. And you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Today, I speak to Claire Francis, a former financial journalist and expert in consumer finance. Claire is now a savings and investment director at Barclays and a board trustee for the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute. Claire talks about her personal career journey, stepping into the unknown, and how she balances having a career with single parenting. She also shares her personal goals, the importance of prioritizing her life with her son and her mental health. I'd also just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pension B. Pension B has helped over 600,000 savers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. With PensionB, you can manage your pension in a few clicks, check your real-time balance, see your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals all from the palm of your hand. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, who as PensionB calls them, Big Keeper. You can sign up to PensionB today with the name of your old pension providers in just five minutes, and if you're self-employed, you can start a new pension from scratch. As always with investments, your capital is at risk. We are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. So my, my background, as you mentioned, is, is financial journalism. And actually, that's not the route I plan to take. I, I did a degree in international studies and politics and a master's degree in war studies and wanted to be a journalist, but sort of envisaged that I'd be a sort of diplomatic correspondent or some war correspondent or something but happened to um, I was lucky to get work experience at the Times and was on the money section Um, and through that uh, it was the height of the dot-com boom back in 1999 which gives my way age away a little bit Um, but there was sort of opportunities open there for um, in a way perhaps that has never been seen since because it was the height of the dot-com boom. There was lots of new roles coming up for journalists online. So as a result, there were some openings and I managed to get straight onto a national newspaper um, and worked at the Times uh, as a sort of paid work experience, then went to The Independent on Sunday and then to the Sunday Times, um, all within the sort of personal finance and money sections. And then I left um, and I became the editor in chief at moneysupermarket.com, the comparison site. So again, it was it was brand journalism then, and, and that was quite a new thing. Um, now, you know, every company has pr- produces a lot of content, um, but it was quite a new thing, and a lot of people didn't really understand what I was doing. I was I going into PR, and it's like, no, no, I'm still sort of doing journalism. And that was very much sort of consumer helping people with their day-to-day finances, managing bills, how to save money, I left in 2014 because I, I had my son and um, so went on maternity leave and actually got approached by Barclays for the role that I'm currently doing. But it's not sort of banking, so to speak. It's still I'm still involved in in content and um, the work we do with the media and how we talk about our investment products and services and, and get people thinking about 
the reasons to consider investing, why invest, what are the long-term benefits? Obviously, you and I have have, um, have spoken on that and, you know, looking at some of the barriers and obstacles um, that, that often put people off and how we can overcome those and, and get more people um, investing for, for their sort of longer-term futures. So I'll definitely ask you for your, your best tips and, and how you, you started investing because we, we talked about that offline. Um, but I guess when you, you decided, I mean, you had your son or you were on maternity leave, um, you know, maybe expecting to go back in the same work, then been approached by Barclays. I mean, it's quite a big change <laughs> from, you know, being a more, in a, you know, writing content, journalism to go into banking so how you know you told me maybe it was like a you know new beginning and stuff so I guess this can be like quite challenging um you know what what happened at, at the time and, and why did you decide to uh, to go there it, it was it was really daunting actually because um my husband died in 2011 so I actually I had my son on my own uh and money supermarket I, I loved working there it was a bit like a family um and I never envisaged that I wouldn't go back after my maternity leave. And when I got sort of approached for this role, it was a bit sort of, oh God, I, I didn't, it was quite scary to sort of make that change, particularly as I, well, I'd been out of work, you know, and, and sort of got baby brain and, and all of the sort of things that you have, you know, when you're dealing with a, a new baby. Um, and also I was just very conscious that it, I was on my own. So it's, it was all on me. Um So there's no sort of second income, second salary to fall back on. Um, and what if it went wrong? What if I didn't like it? What if I wasn't you no know, good at it and um, it didn't work out? And uh, so I sort of, at the time, I spoke to a few sort of good friends and and sort of people who I would class as sort of mentors, um, in a, you know, friends and mentors, just to really, I, I don't know, sort of, talk to them about the the pros and cons of going to Barclays or going back to money supermarket and one of the things that really stuck in my mind um, was speaking to somebody who he, he actually he used to be my late husband's um, boss he, he, he runs a PR agency financial PR agency and he just said to me Claire what's the worst that can happen <laughs> the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out and you get another job so just helping I don't know get a bit of perspective and you know and that sometimes you you just need that support network around you and those sounding boards to help you talk things through and, and work things through and so ultimately well you know I did take it I'm still here <laughs> I have absolutely no regrets it's um you know I'm really glad I did it and um and I think actually it's sort of it's it's had a positive impact in terms of I guess, bravery uh, and having that sort of confidence and um, to sort of take risks, I guess, um, not too many risks, because <laughs> as I say, I am very conscious that um, me and um, my little boy said, you know, our futures financially are sort of dependent on me and my ability to to earn money and to work. So, um, but, but, you know, just sort of not be afraid to take on new things and to take advantages of opportunities that come my way. And were you worried at the time? I mean, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your personal story. I think, um, you know, a lot of people would really appreciate that and it's really helpful. Um, do you think at the time you were worried about also shifting your, your balance? Maybe, 
you know you have your son you know how you know you sort of like a new mom uh, you know it's it's already like super challenging and then you feel it's going to be this like mountain or like you know this big thing where you'll have to work non-stop what what were you um you know worrying about um in terms of taking yeah. this new job it was almost stepping from the known into the unknown yeah. um in terms of my you know my, my job at money supermarket was busy and um, I live in um, South Manchester and, and their offices at the time were based just outside Chester and London. So it was long, you know, even if I was in the Chester office, it, it was a long commute, but I knew what that commute was. And I'd got sort of, um, you know, I thought, well, actually I, c I can do that and I can still do my travel to London when needed. And, you know, my only childcare option really given my job was to get a nanny because you know, nurseries and things wouldn't work um, with being overnight stays in London and also just the sort of traveling times. But I'd done it for a number of years and I knew that I could make it work. Whereas when I started, obviously, a new job, um, it was that sort of, is it going to work? Um, how is it going to, you know, and, and literally it's it sort of after a year out of work on day one, I've got leaving my son with a new nanny Um moving to a new company in and went to London because that was where the team was based, although I'm actually based out of Manchester. So my first day out after sort of nothing for 12 months was getting on a train to London, going to this completely new <laughs> office where I knew nobody. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was it, it was quite daunting, but but it's been fine and it has all worked out. And and obviously the last couple of years with the, the pandemic, it's it's changed it all again. And um, even before the pandemic, I, I worked a couple of days a week from home most weeks. Um, but now it's it's obviously, I'm still at home. Uh, I've been into the office three times since the first lockdown. Um, and it, it's, it's changed again. And I think one of the, and I, I don't know, I'm sure there's other parents who've found this as well after lockdown. I thought my son might be a bit sick of me. But actually... It's that sort of having had me here all the time, he's yeah. now got this sort of separation anxiety. So he's like, mummy, I don't, you know, the first trip to London, don't go to London. I don't want you to go to London. Yeah. So then you've got this sort of parental guilt um, about leaving him. And I, I was like, yeah, but I used to travel all the time. You know, this is, he said, yeah, but that was a long time ago, mummy. And, um, and it's just that adjustment that we're all facing at the moment in terms of, um, how different, I guess, life has become. And then, you know, we've had that sort of begin to get back to the office. And then obviously it's sort of paused again at, at the moment and back to sort of working from home. So, um, but that's what life throws at you. Life throws curveballs and, you know, that's what we have to sort of face and adapt to. And um, and it's going to always be like that. But, you know, some curveballs can never be, <laughs> never be anticipated like a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and I, I really you know I, it's been the same for me I mean I, I'm very lucky to be able to also you know work work from home but it's been also you know receiving these like emails from school telling you you know uh, there there's COVID cases in the school or your kids are sick or can you pick up your daughter from nursery and I feel it's been you know every week we've had something like that so it's just tr having to change everything your schedule um, at the last minute um, so I'd love to ask you about how you deal with this, um, all these like big responsibilities, especially as um, as a single mum. I think in some ways, one of the benefits of the pandemic is 
as a parent, you be- I become less worried about when my son is here. So I, I can yeah. remember one time when he was younger and he was ill and I was like, oh gosh. And I couldn't have my, because he was ill. I think my nanny was ill at the same time as well. So I'd got this sort of two-year-old um, and I'd got a meeting, a sort of leadership meeting at work and I'd I'd sort of emailed my boss thankfully in advance to say oh Seb's ill just to warn you it should be fine he'll be asleep all day and of course he wasn't and uh, you know all you could hear on the call was this sort of crying child in the background and I felt so conscious of that um and thinking oh god what people gonna think whereas actually now I think one of the benefits is um it's just become normal for children and animals and the doorbell to go and and you don't worry about it as such and actually a lot of people love it when a child pops out on yeah. a sort of on a video call and it just i suppose reminds everybody that we've all got lives outside work and um it's been grounding and i think it's been quite refreshing and and actually has been helpful yeah. for people to remove an element of stress because let's face it it has been hugely stressful for everybody um particularly people juggling homeschooling and and things like that but um but there's also you know there's all sorts of pressures and and stresses that have been placed upon people so I think um for me it's just having to sort of adapt and be flexible and I'm really fortunate that you know Barclays is very very good in that respect um and I'm lucky you know that my employer is is flexible and 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 you know it, it's not been a problem for anybody really but but sort of juggling those moments when you moved to Barclays I mean was was money um so maybe a, you know a bigger salary I don't know but you know was money part also of the equation yeah I mean it was it was it was a factory it wasn't it wasn't the the reason I took the yeah. job, um, because, you know, I, I was comfortable um, at Money Supermarket and it was a, a great job there. Um, but I did get a salary increase when I when I moved. And um, and, it, and actually it worked. I, w- I was very glad because initially I was doing a nanny share um, with my neighbor because we both had babies sort of within a, in a week of each other. But that, that didn't work out. And so overnight, my childcare costs literally yeah, doubled. doubled. And. If I had been at Money Supermarket, that would have been a real struggle um, to sort of make that work. And I would have actually probably had to look to find another family to try and share an annie with to sort of to to spread the cost a bit. But fortunately, um, it did enable me to be able to sort of continue with my nanny and, and just have her on my own, which actually made things a lot easier because you weren't worrying about um two families and and you know she was just focused on on my needs really um so yes yeah, so it's it's certainly helped and um and it's and it's one of those things that i think financially i'm very lucky you know i've got i've got a good job and i'm financially secure um and it's you know it just removes a stress yeah. and a pressure I think um that um thankfully in touch wood you know I, I don't have to worry about at the moment in that I earn enough to sort of have a nice have a nice lifestyle really and uh and do what I need for Seb and and hopefully our futures and I'm talking about the future um and and maybe especially as a single mom and having this extra responsibility of feeling you know you have 
everything on your shoulders, making sure you can pay for, you know, whatever, school and stuff like that. Um, do you organize your finances differently now um, in terms of maybe planning for the future, planning for Seb, um, you know, making sure you're financially secure and independent? How do you, um, how, I mean, do, do you already have like um, um, like a good money mindset where you think, yeah, it's fine, I can do it, money is abundant, or, or did you have any like struggles and, and challenges along the way? I, th I think a lot of it depends on, how you're brought up yeah. so when I was a child you know I, I I had pocket money um and I could earn money from doing sort of jobs around the house and stuff like that and was taught about saving and I remember getting a letter sort of um when I was about 17 offering me a credit card which made me feel really grown up and I was like oh but you know I, I didn't have a job um other than a Saturday job and I was uh, you know doing a levels and stuff and I said to my dad you know and he said look there's nothing wrong with credit cards as long as you pay them off every month um and I, I was just sort of instilled with that that mindset that um it's fine and you can take on debt as long as you can repay it yeah. and, and so I've always you know and, and I've been fortunate enough to I suppose have been grounded well with that and, and, and carried that through. And it, it hasn't meant there have been periods where it's been very difficult. And I, I remember when I was doing my master's degree and I was living in London and I was working um, part time and um, and I was still absolutely skinned and it was really stressful. You know, when some weeks you're thinking, I just haven't got anything. I've got nothing left. Um, you know, life is miserable. Why am I doing all this? Um, and it was really difficult. And and even once I got a job and and started earning, again, the next, probably until I was about 30, it, it was tough. It was really tough to sort of budget every month. Um, but then, you know, once I'd managed to repay my student debts and student loans, and because I'm older, you know, Thankfully, I didn't leave university with huge debts because, you you know, the loans were, were smaller back then. Um, so I managed to sort of have cleared those by the time I was sort of late 20s, early 30s. And I'd, I'd also met my late husband by then and we'd moved in together. Um, and so that helped, you know, when you're not sort of paying everything, yep. you know, yourself. Um, and actually, it was him. It was probably him with my job that got us into a more of a a structure in terms of starting to think and plan about, you know, for the future and, and ISIS. So we went to see an IFA primarily because he was actually sort of self-employed. So we went to get him set up with a pension and both did our sort of risk assessment, yeah. you know, attitude to risk um, fat fines and all of that sort of stuff. And that's when we started to invest um, and use ISAs. And over the years, it, it's ebbed and flowed in terms of how much, money um I've I've sort of put away um and been able to but it, at least I was started I'd started on that road and um probably if I hadn't had the job I had and wasn't wasn't writing about investing and things like that at the time I wouldn't have started and again I'm thankful for that because I know through a lot of the work that I do and and through getting to understand that I'm actually one of, you know, I'm in a minority and even amongst my, my peers, there are, there are unfortunate, I think in terms of, um, uh, I suppose how my finances are set up, but I, it, it's been, it's fairly, it's been a fairly informal approach up until now, albeit um, I've actually got an appointment with a financial planner tomorrow uh, <laughs> to start talking about retirement planning and, 
um, you know, whether what I'm doing is going to be enough or whether I need to buckle down and um, work a bit harder to uh, <laughs> save a bit more. Um, and, and you actually told me that um, when you're talking about retirement, one of your goals was maybe to retire at, you know, around 60 years old. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, what, what are maybe your, I mean, is, is this one of your goals and, and maybe what are your... What are your financial goals? Like, why, why are you saving and investing for now? So it is. I mean, I suppose it, it's one of those, I want the option. I'd like to know whether it's going to be yeah. an option, if that makes sense. Um, or yeah. is it just a pipe dream? And it's not to say that I necessarily would retire at 60. And, and, and even if I did, I don't think I'd stop working yeah. fully. But it might just mean that I, I do something completely different. Um, and so I don't, I guess my goals... They're not, not sort of hard, fast, sort of specific, but it's really just for mine and Seb's futures. So it's for my sort of retirement and his education. You know, if he decides to go to university, I'd like to be in a position to, to help him. Um, you know, I might consider private school um, for, for, for secondary school. I don't know, but a lot of it will depend on the sort of my financial situation. But But ultimately, that's it's him and his future yeah. and then you know and, and mine that that's the sort of the main reasons that I, I'm sort of investing and in, in, in my goals and, and it's it's being able to have choice I think that's important to me and have options and flexibilities as opposed to sort of thinking oh gosh I've just got to keep working till I'm yeah, forever 80. um yeah um uh, and I think that's that that to me would feel a reward if if I've got, you know, if I've got choice when I'm about 60. And um, and you told me, so you've seen an IFA, Independent Financial Advisor, now meeting with um, a financial planner. Um, can I ask you, how do you, do you plan for your finances? Do you have a budget? Do you automate sort of how much you put? I mean, I guess you have a workplace pension. Do you automate how much money you save um, every every month? And look at, how do you look at, uh, you know, saving for, for your goals? Yeah, so, I mean... As I say, I, we saw an IFA once, but then since then I've sort of done it, it on my own until until the sort of meeting with the financial planner. Um, and yeah, I, I've I've got a workplace pension, and I also make um, additional voluntary contributions into that. I've got I share I save into the share save scheme at work as well, so that's a certain amount of money that goes um, every month. Um, and then the rest I do more ad hoc in that I sort of. I move money. I, I used to be, I guess I used to be a little bit more disciplined before I had childcare to pay for. What Once I had seven, particularly when I was having full-time childcare, it was so expensive. I didn't have the spare cash each month to move, have, you know, have the standing order set up to, to move money out of my current account, um, which is what I used to do. And I've, I've not got back around to, to doing that. So I just sort of move it over as and when really. Um, but Equally, in those preschool years when the, the nanny costs were very high, I actually I stopped investing and actually drew down on some of my investments because it just made things a bit easier. Um, because, I, you know, as I mentioned, my childcare costs doubled overnight, which wasn't something I'd planned for. And for a year, I was sort of struggling and I was thinking, gosh, this is... And then I thought, Claire, what are you struggling for? You know, you were, you earn a really good salary here and also you've been investing for yeah. over 10 years and why do you invest you invest for your long-term future and when you need it and actually 
this is when I need it. So that that sort of mindset that it was a bit like a light bulb moment going, actually, do you know what? This money is mine. Um, I can touch it. I can get at it and I need it. And so rather than continue to sort of struggle, um, I drew down on some of it for a few years just to help relieve some of that sort of pressure, really. Um, and also it meant that I didn't have to cut back on going on holiday or, or things like that, um, which I, I see, you know, again, I'm very lucky, but I see that as being a bit of my, a reward and, and something that's important to me that I can, well, when, when, when pandemics allow, you know, to be able to sort of travel and, and get away and, and have a break. So, um, so yeah, so I took a bit of a break from investing for a few years, but then when, um, when my son started school, I, you know, my childcare cost dropped. So I've been able to get back into it. And, and that's my, that's one of my priorities now is to try and build up my investments as much as I can in the hope that, you know, by the time I get to 60, um, I'm, I might be in that position where I can sort of step back a bit and do something else. I, I love that you, you talk about the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily like a linear progression in terms of, you know, saving more money. I think, I think we, especially as women, we, we feel the pressure of, you know, okay, we need to start saving, but we need to start saving more. We need to start investing and that we sort of can't stop. We always have to, you know, get better, save more money, have a bigger investment pot. But what you say is so right. And I, I, I saw it for myself. I did the opposite as you. I worked in, you know, banking first and then <laughs> then left banking and start building my business. And that cost me some money, obviously, because I couldn't pay myself at the beginning. I had to put some of my saving, even if it's not a lot, but it's this opportunity cost of, you know, not, you know, not earning a salary, depending on how you look at it, not investing for a few years. Um, so I think it's it's okay, actually, to, as you say, like stop saving if you can't afford it at, at some point, stop investing and also use your, you know, use your, use your, your savings. Um, so thanks for, for talking about that. But it's not, it's not an easy decision um, to take when you feel I need, I need the money. I don't want to take into, you know, this savings that, you know, I've been building for so long. Um, what's going to happen next? So it, there's a little bit of, of, of risk maybe, but it's, I think it's great that we, we talk about that. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. And it's one of the things that I sort of, try and get across when I'm talking about you know investing and putting money away for the longer term because you know as you all know Emily you know when we talk about investing because of risk and things like that it is very much something that we suggest at Barclays that you, you need really a minimum yeah. outlook of, of five years or longer um, and one of the things that can put people off is thinking well I don't know how much you know money I can commit for that long and, and this that and the other so you know obviously it's important to only invest if you've got that sort of that surplus money um, that you can afford in theory to put away. But if things change, you know, and, and actually, you know, you say you, you start off putting £200 a month away or something like that, and actually something changes and you can't, it's fine to stop it, you know, stop for a few months, you're not sort of stuck into this rigid plan. And, and also, I think there's, um there's a perception that's almost isn't there that, that almost every year, in theory, if you're getting a pay rise because it's linked to sort of inflation or whatever, that means you need to start saving a bit more. And and um, but it, so so it's that sort of again. I think that's that's we're brought up to think that should be the aim. Is like you start off with the idea that you'll you'll increase each year or you know, but it doesn't have to be like that. And the key thing is you've got to do what 
what works for you and um being worried about things changing shouldn't put you off starting out because you know your investment your saving strategy your saving and investment strategy can flex it can change with time um and so you don't you know what you're starting out on day one it's not set in stone it's not concrete and if you need to to alter your course then you can and but the, the great thing is that at least you've got started and if i you know my my sort of what's happened to me in my life is a perfect example of that because if yeah. I hadn't got started when I was sort of 30 I wouldn't have had that money to to draw back on to help me when Seb was little and I had you know really high childcare costs um so I, I you know it is that that flexibility and the fact that it can work for you um I think it's really really important for people to understand and um And can I ask you during, you know, th these times, maybe you can, you can feel a bit overwhelmed, maybe taking this, you know, these decisions or maybe, you know, with work, with COVID, how do you deal with, um, you know, how do you take a step back basically when things become a bit too much, <laughs> you don't know where you're going? <laughs> um, well, I've got, I'm really lucky in that I've got really good friends and family. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got a good support network around me, but actually there are some times where you, I don't know if you're the same, but you just feel, oh my God, you know, I, I juggle, 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 juggle. And then you get to the point where it's going, there are too many balls in the air at the moment. Something's got to drop. And actually rather at that point for me, and I, I know this will differ for everybody, um, but for me, that's, that's a point actually where I just pull away a bit and I just sort of, it's me time really, yeah. uh, you know, and I, I just sort of need to sort of have early nights, try and tell, tell myself it'll be all right you know look at well what can I do you know I don't have to be brilliant at everything what 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 can stop for a bit or um and and almost give myself a bit of a talking to um and perhaps a glass of wine uh and then clear my head a bit and you know get going again and uh, and and what um what does success look like for you at the moment like do you have um, big goals for yourself or you're trying to really live in the you know live in the moment do as much as you know as, as you can today enjoy your your job because i feel you're enjoying what you're doing yeah i mean i feel a, in a really good place in my life at the moment yeah. actually you know i've i've got I've got a really good career uh, i've had a really good career and i've got a really good job that i enjoy um I've got my son and it's, it's more, I, I don't feel a sort of ambition to, I, I, I always need to be challenged. I get bored quite easily. So I, I always need to have a challenge. Um, and so I, I don't mean I, I want to sort of stand still or stay still, but almost um, professionally, uh, I, I think I've reached a point in my career where I'm happy and comfortable. I'm not necessarily yeah. looking to get any more senior or anything like that. So it's actually just staying challenged in my job whilst also having enough time with Seb. Um, and that work-life balance is really important for me. You know, the re you know one of the reasons I work, I, I work for myself as well, you know, in terms of self-satisfaction and, and that drive. But the main reason for doing it is to have my life yeah. outside, you know, and to be able to um, have, have a good life with my son and with my friends and family. Um, so, so having that time away and being able to sort of put work to bed 
and have an evening or have a weekend take a holiday and and not be constantly thinking about work is is really important for me yeah and 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 i guess preserving your your mental health um is is maybe important for you and we 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 will record like a separate episode about um you know mental health and the and the important work you do um as a trustee uh for the board and for the money and mental health policy institute um but i think yeah it's trying to find a balance which is I, f I find it always hard because you always want to challenge yourself and do more and you're super passionate about your doing, but understanding when you sort of have to, you know, scale back and and yeah. be at home and be present when you're at, at home. This is also super tricky. Yeah, it's knowing the limits. And as you mentioned, you know, well-being and mental health is, is really important for me, um, not only for me, but also for people around me so I, I sort of do a lot at work um to sort of support well-being um and because it is so important as you say and it's it's knowing the signs and I'm you know I count myself very lucky in that I don't think I've ever really been depressed or you know but there are times when you feel life is stressful and yeah. I I know when I'm getting to that point because I wake up in the middle of the night. So it, again, it depends on what, you know, it's, it's learning to spot what's the sort of the trigger or the sign for you. So I'm fortunate. I, I never have a problem getting to sleep, but if I'm stressed, I struggle to stay asleep. Yeah. So if I'm waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep, that to me is a sign that I need to sort of take a step back and try and redress the balance because it's, there's something causing me stress yep. that I need to sort of sort out yep. um and it's it's so so sort of self-reflection and knowing yourself uh and knowing the, the the signs to look out for um is really important because as you say it's that sort of it's being present for well it's being present in work but also out yep. of work you know because it, if you're unwell mentally if you are struggling mentally Um, you might think you're doing, you know, but you're probably not doing a great job at anything. Yep. Um, and so actually looking after you is really, really important. And it, it can be difficult when life is very busy because you almost put yourself <laughs> last because you're thinking, right, I've got work to, to think about. I've got my children to think about and all of that sort of stuff. Um, that it, it, it can be hard at times to make time for you, but, um, you know, it is really, really important to do that. Thank you so much um, for, for sharing that. I think it's, yeah, it's important to, um, yeah, take a step back, as you say, look at the big pictures and, 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 and try to do um, a bit of work, which is not always easy, but we'll definitely talk about that um, in, in, in this other episode. Um, I have like four quick fire questions for you, Claire. Um, what is the best financial decision you ever made? For me, it was definitely getting on the property ladder. Um, I... I was lucky. I bought my first flat in London in 2002. And at the time, it was a real stretch. My dad had to be a guarantor on the mortgage and I needed a lodger to sort of pay the bill. But actually, I was so thankful um, looking back because of what's happened to property prices since. And, and, and I was able yeah. to sort of get on. So, so that was that was definitely um, probably the, the best decision I made, even though it was quite stressful at the time. Um, but yeah, that, that was the best one. And uh, can you share the worst financial decision? I've been thinking about it. And thankfully, in touch with, I've had no disasters and no sort of catastrophes, <laughs> which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I think, I suppose... 
it's it's probably perhaps overspending at times on you yeah. know probably for me clothes and shoes and things like that but um I, I think I could have saved more I could have put more away And uh, what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? So we, we are recording this episode on the 21st of December. So it's pre-Christmas for full disclosure. So uh, maybe something to do with Christmas. Yeah, well, cri yeah, Christmas, the Christmas shopping is done. I think I've got, got all the presents yeah, done. Well done. Um, so, and I don't have to host this year. That's my dad. So I've not got the turkey to buy. Um, I think at the moment it's my house. Because I think like lots of people, when you can't spend on we've not been able to spend on going away and we're stuck at home the whole time. I sort of, I've got bored of the house. So I keep buying things for the house. I'm actually about to have an extension in the new year um, to build an office. Um, and, and so the house and then probably Seb um, is where, where the money goes. Amazing. Um, and can you share with me a um, favorite book? So my, my favorite book that I think I've recommended the most um is one i probably read about 20 years ago and it's shadow of the wind by carlos yeah. ruiz zafon i don't know if you've heard of that it's set in barcelona yeah. and i just loved it it's really, really good. good um yeah. the book one of the books i've read this year and i don't read as much as i'd like to but i read um the midnight library by matt haig yeah and i really loved that really really loved that book um yeah. so and, and that's probably my favorite book that i've read for a few years actually Um, but my all-time favorites, Shadow of the Wind. I feel we could talk about, you know, hundreds of, you know, other personal finance uh, topics today. But is there, you know, final word, maybe anything else um, you'd like to share? Your finance, your savings and investing strategy is, and strategy is perhaps a horrible word to use because it makes it sound very <laughs> But But I, I think it's just, it's just getting into the habit of putting money away and you start with cash savings and then sort of thinking about, think about longer term and, and investing, but just not beating yourself up about it, not putting too much pressure on yourself and just making it work for you, depending on how much you can afford to save and not worrying if things change and you have to sort of alter your plan um, a little bit because, um, you know, you don't want to put yourself under any unnecessarily pressure and stress. Um, but equally in the long term, the sooner you start, thinking about putting money away um I guess the easier it will be and the less stressful it will be because hopefully you'll you'll find yourself in a position where you've got some financial freedom where you have got options and you've got choices so um, really it's that sort of just just get started um and let your plan alter if it needs to thank you so much and where um where can we find you I'm not very active on Twitter, but I do have Twitter. I, I do it occasionally. Um, and I'm at Claire E. Francis on Twitter. And um, on LinkedIn, I'm at Claire Francis. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Every other week, I answer your questions about money on the show. To get involved, send your questions and comments via our hotline to podcast at vestpod.com. If you send us a voice note, you may even get to hear your voice in the next hotline episode. Be sure to share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. Please also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. And join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Hotline by The Wallet about teaching your kids how to manage their finances. <laughs>